All right. Welcome to Backyard Conversations. This is your host, Aji. I'm here with a little something different today. I have both Timmy Davis and Dapo right here recording with us today, and it's going to be an amazing episode. There's a buttload of topics that we have to talk about, uh, so I can't wait to get right into it. Shout out, Timmy. Shout out, Dapo, for making it. How are you guys feeling today? Timmy, you go first. Yeah, yeah. I'm back again. I know you guys missed me. So for I sure. heard my voice in a while, but, but Timmy is back. <laughs> It's good to have you back, my brother. Well, how are you feeling? I'm doing great. What's up, you? This time All right, that's nice. That's nice. All right, let's get right into it then. All right, first thing on the list, obviously, there's a lot of big news in the past week, but there was one that trumped them, which is the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. There's so much to unpack here, but Timmy's in the UK, so I think I want Timmy to go first and talk about what are you seeing around you? How exactly are people in in the area reacting to this in real time? I'm on ground in the UK, and obviously, like, it's everywhere. Like, everywhere you go, you're seeing her face. You go on the underground stations. She's on the posters. They're transporting her, her body today. That's, literally, there's a drone camera flying over and the news has not flinched. Just watching the cars move from, I think she was going from Balmory Castle, which is where she was, to Edinburgh in Scotland. So it's been following her the whole time. And literally that's what the channels have been showing all day. Like every minute is like, literally the queen, the queen, the queen, then the king, the king, the king, the king is gonna do this, the queen, the queen. So it literally is, you're saturated with the queen everywhere. So many different short documentaries, so many, like it's just a bombardment of news like literally nothing else like everything else that's even serious comes second place they do it for like three minutes and like okay back to the queen straight up it's it's obvious in in the english media nothing else matters right now besides the royal family and it's going to be like this for another couple of weeks i assume yeah i reckon to even the, the end of the month i mean she's her funeral date set for the 19th of september obviously that's a bank holiday as well yeah uh, but even after that, I think they're still going to be talking about, about her, the royal family, like what the new monarch is doing, you know, his tour, how that, there's a lot going on Like, Cause in addition to that, they're going to be looking to see what the new leaders are doing. There's obviously a new, new prime minister as well, right? There's yeah. trust, energy crisis coming up, all yeah. of those. So you're still going to be hearing, you know, all of this in the news. Yeah. Oh man. So that well, on your end, in lag, what are people saying besides, I feel like most of the conversation is happening on Twitter, if it has anything to do with Nigeria, Africa, what are you seeing? Yeah, most, most of the conversation that you're seeing is online. And it ranges from for different things. So there's, you know, the regular AIA, RIP type comments. Some was like, oh, well, cheers to a good life. You know, it was long life. And then there's also the indifference, like, oh, okay, well, she didn't have any impact on my life or in our affairs, as far as I can tell, you know, either way. And so some people just have this, you know, nasty fair attitude. And then there's some people who, there's some reactions that are, you know, humorous. You know, basically people just using it to catch bands and all that. There's like a whole bunch of humorous commentary and uh, stuff all out there. Oh, and yeah. then there's the other extreme of, oh, well, 
blah 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 colonialism in this blah 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 you know the reign of the british when africa was divided where some countries were amalgamated and all that and how she was you know the mona when some of those things were happening and some people are you know laying some of those undesirable outcomes at her table and you know there's the reaction of oh well why didn't you say this all this while what but some people think now is put as, as much time as ever to revisit those things so you know the, the range of reactions just it's just all over the place uh, okay. that's that's kind of the stuff i've been seeing so far yeah i want to touch on that quickly because i feel like this queen elizabeth thing is it can be unpacked like into many many different layers right but on the controversy front, before we get to like succession and what's happening with the next king, there was one that really got everyone's attention. And that's when Ujuanya was tweeting and she was quoted by Jeff Bezos, you know, because he was attacking her, maybe not directly attacking her, but commenting on what she had said about wishing the, the queen excruciating pain in her deathbed. And I think Timmy pointed out that that's actually like a Harry Potter curse somebody had to go dig it up for us it's actually crucial or something like that it's a straight out of harry potter that made it even funnier oh right? really oh really i didn't know that <laughs> yeah you could they can uh -huh. literally you know inflict intense excruciating pain on a victim and i thought i was hilarious when uh, timmy pointed it out because my mind would never go there so for me i think ujoanya was out of pocket timmy what do you think oh man freedom of speech and like <laughs> that's what she said like she said what she said. I mean, yes, it's a bit harsh in terms of excruciating pain or whatnot. But I mean, people are entitled to feel how they feel because, like you know, the Queen, the royal family, the British monarchy has affected different people in many different ways, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone's directly affected by it, and say someone had lived, you know, through times when you know there were challenges for, from them, I mean, they can feel how they feel if their family, like if you look at Kenya, for example, right? During the, the uprising there and like the, when the British were, were quelling that uprising, people lost their family members. So who am I to say someone that was, you know, my, if my father or whoever was killed by British, by the British army, and I'm angry at the system, you know, whoever I feel was responsible for it, who am I to, you know, negate what that person is feeling? So at the end of the day, like, if you feel what you feel, you feel what you feel. Like, I'm not here to judge anyone to say that, oh, you know, they should feel deep sympathy or they should feel deep anger or like, you know, feel what you feel and say what you want. Like, yeah. freedom of speech in it. And, and to be honest, it's not like that, that, that comment as well is not inciting violence. Like it's a different thing when you have a conversation and people say things that incite violence. It's like, oh, let's all go burn something. Like, you know what I mean? This is just like, this is how I feel. This is what your family, this is what I think your family did to me. I wish, I wish you all the worst in life. Like, right. you know, you just say, yeah, it's entitled to, I'm entitled to, like, if someone murdered a family member of mine, for example, and I'm like, yo, in your death, like, I hope you feel pain. Like, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> so that's why I feel about it, right? Everyone's entitled to their own yeah. decisions. Some people take it more personally. And I think if you're, you know, leaning towards that, you know, culture and parallelism and all of those things, if you're, you know, if you're on the lighter side in terms of skin tone of, in life, I see, I, I can see how to pin them. You understand? But it is what it is. <laughs> oh, man. That's really interesting. You know, you talk about how the tweet is, was not really inciting violence, and I agree about that 100%. It was eventually, of course, taken down by Twitter. And a lot of people felt like it's another method of suppressing, you know, black voices, especially one of black women, because of the 
power behind one of the people who quoted her tweet in Jeff Bezos. Now, Carnegie Mellon came forward and posted something about how they don't agree, especially with her comments, like it doesn't align with their whatever. And I feel like on the one hand, you might expect that they're probably getting some kind of endowment from Bezos and they just had to say something because of how he feels. I'm curious to hear your take on it, Dapo. Do you think that Carnegie Mellon were obviously influenced by the, the Bezos power or do you think they were objectively looking at Juanya's tweet and like, yeah, this shouldn't be coming from our faculty? So almost any organization would have done what they did, which is like organizations really want to just be as drama free as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when someone comes out with something like that, thing, you know, gets a lot of attention and it has this negative vitriolic, you know, air about it, then the institution just wants to be like, hey, we're hands off this. This is not us. This is this person, you know, and it's just the usual disclaimer, you know, wash your hands before sentencing somebody to, in this case, the court of public opinion. So I don't like if they didn't do anything, what people would do is people would basically start tagging them and saying, this is what, you know, your member of faculty is saying, blah, 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 blah. And then they'll eventually test, they'll say things that they did say, which is, oh, our views don't represent us. We don't check. So what else would they say? Would they say, oh, yeah, we agree with that right now? So they just want to, just want to be like as free from drama as possible. Just because they're such a high profile organization, who knows what things they start to benefit or lose from you know, such association and, and stuff like that. So I'm not surprised. I'm not I'm not happy or, or disappointed either way. It's just a very usual, normal expectation for an institution to react that way. I think our comments were kind of harsh, but I'm with Timmy on this one where, you know, it's freedom of speech. She has the right to see, to express how she feels. And, you know, some of those comments, I didn't read the whole thing, but some of those comments just make one like, We'll look up history, make one look up like so and stuff that the royal family did. Because when I started seeing, like, not just her comment, but like a bunch of other people's comments, I started to think, like, okay, is this a thing of like an individual's contribution? Like, is it something that I just said, oh, let's go and do this, or I want to do this? Or is it the kind of thing where there's a system and then she just happens to be the queen? at the point where this system was going to take place inevitably, whether or not she was there or not. And like, I, I of course, I can't consume all that content in, in between then and now, but it just makes one a bit more curious about, you know, okay. about some of these things. Well said, well said. I agree with both of you actually about, you know, freedom of speech and the necessary need for a deeper understanding on this, on this subject, right? I mean, a lot of people talk about how there's no where you want to put it, the queen is complicit in everything that has happened in colonized countries, especially in the past, I want to say half century or even more, because that was like the peak of her youth and vigor. And she was at the helm of the organization that was running all these campaigns. But that said, that's enough talk about the, the queen and all the memes, which they were very terrible to laugh at on the day, but it's inevitably hilarious. There were like a ton of memes about this passing. And if you haven't seen any on Twitter, you don't have to look too far. Just just type queen and there'll be like a flood of, of memes, you know, just raining at you. Now, in terms of succession, Timmy, what are you hearing oh, about? Hello? Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, 
Yeah, like I was going to see like also a bunch of memes about, you know, her son ascending the throne, which you were just about to point to, you know, in terms yeah. of succession and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wonder what people are saying about King Charles, though. There's been a video about him that just went viral about him, you know, kissing, you know, aides to clear his table for him to sign a paper or whatever. I'm like, I don't know if people are looking for a reason to be already mad at him before he ascends the throne or is this something about his character that's always been there that nobody ever talked about yeah i mean it's what is like it's probably part of his character as well like you have to understand this guy's from the royal family right he's entitled right most like if you're born into like you will be like imagine being born into a situation where everything is done for you right you have servants since the day you were born as a child people waiting on you waiting having everything you want like obviously you're gonna get some some sense of entitlement. It's, it's just what it is, right? It just it doesn't. You don't even have to be royal. Like look at people that are just born into wealthy families or people who have things around them or have people answering to them. That's kind of like how they act as well. Like you know, I'll take this away from the table. Do this, do that. You're used to giving people orders. It's just the way it is. So in in sense of that, like I don't think that's really anything to do with like who he is as a person. Because I feel like if you were in a position of power, it would be the same thing as well. People weigh in on you and your beck and call, right? I mean, even look at, let's not go too far. I mean, look at David Doe, right? I mean, it's the same, it's the same sort of baby that you're going to see there, right? Yeah. But it, in terms of him as a person, that has nothing to do with it. But how he's going to be as a monarch, I think we'll, we'll see. He's not very popular, I'll tell you that. Yeah. He has very popular member of the royal family, but we're gonna have to see. At the end of the day, the media media houses are only gonna say good things. Media houses, you need to understand that the media house like they respect the royal family. Like you're not gonna, no news channel is gonna come out. Maybe, maybe in the east, the far east places like that, they might say something. But like no western news channel is gonna come out and say anything really bad about the monarch in power. Do you know what I mean? They're only going to say, we're expecting to be good, we're expecting to hold it, he has challenges, whatever, but nothing's there. But that left, that's left to be seen. Let's see how he actually does as a as a person, right? And let's see if he can turn around the way people feel about him personally, like he's a figurehead, right? He might, the, the real job he has is to keep the monarch relevant, right? You want, you want to stay there, is to keep the, like, in terms of anything else, like what what's, what's the job of the king of England? What? They're not signing, they're not bringing any policy. They're not, like, do you know what I mean? There's no, they don't have any real impact on the British public day-to-day lives. They're not deciding taxes. They're not doing any of those things. So they're literally just a figure. The same way the the, the monarch is also, he's also king of Canada. Right? But is he really doing anything in Canadian lives? No. He has a governor general in Canada. That's it. Right? Very true. Speaking of which, who knows if, Canadians are going to get any holiday after what happened. I guess we'll it, like, you know, 72 years ago or whatever, when the original king had died as his best father. And again, and that would be a breaking tradition. There's already two holidays in September, so I'm leaning towards maybe not getting a holiday. They might say, okay, maybe the few hours that's going on, maybe get four hours from work or something like that. But I, I feel we might not get a holiday. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Who knows? Right. Yeah. And and that on your end, you know, besides the obvious memes, including the prince, this guy is coming in at what is this seventy two years old? 
This guy's no, yeah. he's no youth, right? He's basically the same age as a lot of political leaders around the world right now. Like, you know, people in their, in their 70s. And you can imagine him being on the sidelines waiting for so long. How long do you think the relevance of the crown will be retained with his ascension to the throne? Or do you think he's going to get stronger or watered down through time? Well, I mean, first, like, CIO or the Canada Connection, I did not know about that at all. And I I think I've always thought of the royal family or whoever is queen or king as, like, you know, chairman and then the prime minister as CEO, right? That's, that's like the framework of the relationship that I always thought. I don't know if I'm correct or wrong, but that's how I had it in my head. And I've always wondered what, like, executive powers the royal family would have. And from what Tim is saying, I don't think it's, it's a lot, if, if any. So what that relevance would entail is yet, well, I wouldn't say it's yet to be seen because it existed all the while the queen was alive and so his job is actually to just continue that i don't know if there's anything he wants to change that a lot of that is yet to be seen and a lot of it also like requires us like also engaging our curiosity a bit more finding out like what it is they do i I was talking to my sister the other day and i was saying that if there is any influence that they wield on our part of of the world here in nigeria that is undesirable for us I would hope that her passing would diminish or remove any of those type of influences. Because there's there's been some, like, you know, you hear some talk about stuff like that, like, especially when you hear the relationship between the four countries, Africa and France, you hear that I've heard some things like, oh, like, the British Empire still wields some degree of influence on, you know, former colonies and stuff like that. I'm not one to give in to conversations around colonialism being the cause of a lot of the dysfunction in, in African countries. Mm-hmm. Not because it isn't true, but because a large chunk, I see a large chunk of what we do to each other that is unethical and downright, you know, evil to, to, to be honest. And I'm like, how much of this do you want to blame on, you know, former colonialists? that left six years ago. Like, how, when do you start taking responsibility? If we reach the peak of the good, then we can do to each other and to ourselves. And then we can't get beyond that peak. Then we can start looking at saying, okay, you know, what influences are, are outside of our control. Well said. There's, like I said, this is already like about 20 minutes on the royal family. I know there's a lot more that can be said, but we have like some other topics to discuss. <laughs> But yeah, in summary, wait and see. This saga continues, right? They're going to be in the news for a very long time. New things will come out. New memes are going to unravel. New videos will go viral. And yeah, for sure. I think maybe we should do a special segment to have some guests on maybe chat about this a little bit more because I can see there's a lot to unpack and a lot to chat about, talk about in terms of you know, the royal family and the legacy of Britain in general. So maybe yeah. that'll be a idea. Maybe we can give, give the public a little bit of that. Definitely. Definitely. One other event that happened before it was obviously blown out of the picture by the royal family and the queen's passing was Apple had an event this past week where they were talking about the new iPhone 14 Pro. And whenever Apple launches a new product, you can bet there's going to be a lot of trolling. Meme wars will come out from people who are like, you know, Android versus iOS. People who have sworn to, to never let, you know, users 
use both devices in peace because it's actually perfectly okay people to have like an android and ios phone it's okay to love both operating systems but the internet has found a way to divide people into two camps but that's a whole different so iphone 14 pro dynamic island there's so much to talk about what was the standout thing for you at apple's event at that fall? so one thing i like most interesting over the years is like speculating content around new technology so right from like it's been months since people had been rumoring almost everything that we then got to see about the new iphone 14. the well what they're now calling dynamic island they're not you know being a cutout that was rumored the purple colorway that was even the loss of the mini which is to me a sad loss that was rumored as well and so i'm wondering like even how apple was able to they, they were known for being very secretive and then ever since the leak of the iphone 4 way back when it's like it's gone downhill from there where they can't even keep anything under wraps for for you know more than a few months at this point so when i watched the event i was like okay like the, everything here came so damn close to if not pretty much exact to what was rumored that it the novelty of it being a surprise was kind of lost and yeah we've been using that novelty over time the thing i would say i found interesting and surprising was what they did with the dynamic island which is like pretty much now the start of the show where they did this perfect fusion of hardware and software so the cutout is like hardware literally where they had to cut out the screen to make room for the camera and the other components that you use for your face id and your portrait photos and your um, selfies and whatnot. But what they then did was because it's an OLED display and on an OLED display, when something is pure black, the pixels are actually turned off. So when you're looking at a pure black piece of software or when you're seeing any software element is black, like zero, zero, zero black, what you're actually seeing are pixels that are turned off. And so you're literally looking at like an, a blank screen for those pixels that are turned off. So what they did was with the dynamic display, they basically created some sort of notification system that uses a pure black background, such that those pixels are turned off. And so it seems flush with the actual cutout. So it just brings this very nice fusion between hardware and software, which was like relatively surprising. Like people just thought you'd get a cutout and then you have your regular, you know, standards bar as you did, but then they did something very interesting with it, which is, which is brilliant, it's innovative. Some people are still like dunking on it and thinking, you know, hey, it's just like Android notification bar or whatever. But I think, I think it's, it's interesting. I don't think anyone even anticipated this. This was one thing that didn't get past the rumor mills or whatever. Okay. So I also want to see it in person. I hope it's as impressive when I do see it in person, as it looks in all the, you know, promo shots and press shots. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some hands-on coverage of it and people who interact with it, like on the show floor, talk about how fluid and responsive and and dynamic, for lack of a better term, it is. And it, it is so, one of those things, like you said, that didn't really, really leak. People had ideas that, you know, this could be something, they called it a pill at some point. Because of the eye shape, you know, like you have the cutout, two separate cutouts to, to form like a lowercase letter I on the phone. 
there's really so much to unpack about this event, especially with the watch. People were expecting an Apple Watch Pro and being instead named it Ultra. And I think it's kind of excessive for most people, right? And it, it, it's, it might be stuck in a weird middle ground where it's excessive for most people for their regular watch use. But at the same time, it might be subpar for people in extreme scenarios. Because I saw somebody who who's like a, let's just say, semi-advanced scuba diver talking about how usually they, you would pay your watch to your oxygen tanks and you could actually see the levels of, you know, and how much oxygen you have left in your tank. But the Watch Ultra doesn't seem to come with that feature just yet. It could come at some point, but it makes it seem like at this current iteration of it, it might not be the best watch to scuba divers, even though they did a bit of talking about using this this watch in the scuba dive scenarios. And the iPhone 14 was a bit underwhelming because they essentially took the same processor from last year and put it in the 14, barely changed the design. It's literally the same phone. A part of me is convinced if you had a, a phone case for 13 devices, it would probably work on the 14, right? But, uh, you know, Apple's argument about that was the A15 chip was already ahead of the competition. There's no need to to tweak it too much. Let's go A16 on the Pro devices, but the A15 even now as a stand is, is still better than the competition. What do you think about that? Yeah, like, to be honest, for for a while now, I don't think anyone has anything to worry about as regards the chips inside of iPhones. Like, if you're using an iPhone, anything, right, that still runs the latest iOS, you'll be fine. You might notice some speed differences between older iPhones and newer iPhones, but generally you'll be fine speed-wise. So concerns around the chip, I don't think are that big a deal. I would say that this is like the biggest gap between the regular and the pro that we've seen in a while. So this, the regular has the notch, the pro has the dynamic island, and the dynamic island also has like you know, all the software features we just talked about, whereas the notch doesn't have any of that. So the difference is not just in hardware, but also in software. And then they put the A16 in the pro, they put the last year's 15, but I think they, they, they took it a bit in the regular. So this is like, or, you know, biggest gaps between the front regular version. And what I suspect would happen is that the Pro might actually sell more than regular because when people upgrade, they don't want to, they don't want to be seen with the phone that looks like the phone they bought last year or a phone that looks like last year's phone, yeah. right? A lot of people buy the 14, but people, I think a lot of people buy the 14 Pro because of how much different it looks from the regular 14, 14. and the 13 that came before it. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious because I know Tammy just got a 13 Pro. I want to know if it's going to be upgraded anytime soon because if you know anything about like iPhone cameras, they're stuck at 12 megapixels for the longest time. But for the everyday casual photographer who's using a 12 megapixel iPhone versus like a 108 megapixel Samsung device, I don't think anyone's going around shooting like photos that they're printing on billboards or whatever so it's it's just a, a tool right that's in the pot in your pocket now for the first time there's 48 megapixels on the iphone i did literally bumped it up you know you talked about the gap that between the, the 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 pro phones and the usual phones so the pro phones are on 48 megapixels now i'm wondering if this is enough reason for for someone like Tammy to upgrade because 
you already have one of the best cameras on the smartphone in the 13 Pro. What are you thinking? I mean, I'm thinking no. I'm thinking uh, I'm waiting till to see like real change. I, I feel like right now the change is not enough for me to be like, okay, yes, I want to upgrade. I'm thinking I'm waiting it out, to be honest. The pixels might still help there in terms of video because obviously we know like, just like for instance, the cinema mode that iPhone 13 has, right? Cinema mode is really good, but I do want to see more cameras in the iPhone, right? In terms of tracking movement, things like that. So I feel like they would do more of that in their next model, right? And then have a complete overhaul. Maybe we'll see the phone, the, the thickness of the phone get a bit smaller as they can fit more things into it and, and reduce the size. Maybe things like that, right? Battery life get longer. Like the, yesterday, they said the battery life, for example, in this one is a bit, I forget, I mean, maybe an hour or two, something like that. They added in, but I mean, it's still not significant enough. So I don't think, I think, no, especially considering the cost of the iPhone, right? You know, depending on which one you get, you're spending maybe like $2,000 Canadian to get an iPhone, right? It's not worth it right now to upgrade, especially since the camera is still so good. Unless, yes, if you're in, if you're in, if you're in the creative industry and you're printing out posters, like you said, things like that, and you don't want to have too many gadgets, you don't want to have like a separate camera as well. Maybe you're, you're very mobile, you just want to have your phone and then move around with that, then yes. But if you're just a regular person, even if you are a, say, like influencer type or, or, you know, you're making, you're doing productions and things like that, I don't, I don't see the need to upgrade the phone right now. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a big enough difference. I don't think there's enough features added into it. So I, I don't see the need to, so not, I, in short, I will not be upgrading. <laughs> Very fair. That's very fair. One thing for me, because I'm on the 12 Pro, right? And I, I didn't upgrade to the 13 Pro because I didn't see any reason. And keep in mind that before I got the 12 Pro, I was on the 7. So it was a big leap. I used my 7 for so long until I had a moment where I'm like, you know what? Maybe I want to try something besides Touch ID. Maybe I want to try Face ID. And it was a huge upgrade to go from a 7 to a 12 Pro, right? And now I'm looking at the 14 Pro. In short, it does have some, some pluses compared to the 12 Pro I currently use. I realized Whenever Apple releases a new thing in version 1.0, case in point, Dynamic Island, even though it comes out good, when it, it goes into the second iteration, it's always miles ahead of what it first came out as, right? And now I'm waiting for devs to take advantage of this feature. And by the time 15 comes out or whatever, Dynamic Island might be a peninsula, whatever, who knows, it's going to be ridiculously good. It's going to be a whole different thing. So now is not even the time for me to upgrade because iOS 16 drops tomorrow. Well, we're recording this on a Sunday. It literally drops tomorrow. And it's compatible with most devices up until I think iPhone 8. And so if you have the new iOS 16, that's more longevity for your device. There's no need to rush and get the latest and the greatest hardware. Right? So yeah, I'm just agreeing with you, Tammy, that there's no need to rush. A lot of people in the US and Canada, that's they do trading. a much older version than, yeah. If you are yeah. Because even, I think even if you have the XS, to be honest, like, um, for me, it was more about camera quality. So that was our upgrade. If you have the XS and you're not, if you're not taking pictures or anything like that, it's still a good phone to use. But I still have the XS right now. I use it on my, my other SIM card on that phone. And to be honest, it's great. It's great. The only thing is that obviously 13 Pro has a camera. Yeah. 13 Pro has a better camera and that's it. But in terms of like processing, things like that, it's still quick enough. Like. I mean, our brain is only human. There's only so much, so much speed that we notice. Yes, we'll notice in certain things, maybe loading time, for example, of a page, yeah. right? But in terms of like say switching through apps and things like that, that speed, we're not going to notice because we can't process information that fast. We're not computers, right? 
Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'd say I'm sticking with this for now, especially with these prices, man. They're trying to gudge us. Like, they're not banks. You understand? Fair. I mean, they kept the price same, which a lot of people actually pretty get wrong. They thought the prices would go up because of the chip shortage. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why the A15, I think, was just like stuck in the iPhone 14s because, hey, Man, let's use the all these chips we have. Well, What's that? I think they did their research as well. Like inflation is crazy right now, number one. We're already paying so, like the iPhone is already so, like we're paying $2,000 for an iPhone. Like, are they really going to take us up more than that? Like right, right now? Gonna buy it. That's a lot of money though, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, buy this phone. So if, if you have a 12 Pro, if you have a 12 Pro in the US right now, Apple will will Apple says it's worth about four hundred and thirty dollars towards the nine 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 of the the fourteen Pro. So it's very tempting for people in that price point. I bet it's probably it definitely much more if you had the thirteen Pro, for example, right? And so if Apple's going to take off like 400 from a 1K phone, I think people are more tempted. They'll, they'll, think, of, they'll think it's more, it's more value for money, even though technically you're still paying close to $700 at the tax. Yeah. What else the iPhone events besides the watch and, and you know, all of the, the tech they show with the software and the operating system. I think the, the new AirPods was something I really liked. No major design change, but the fact that I always wanted the AirPods to have some kind of touch feature where you you increase and decrease the volume and they implemented that. That's just like, a, it's perfect. You know, you don't always have to bring your phone out of your pocket to adjust volume. I always thought that was, that was backward on the AirPods Pro, especially with how much they cost, but that's a new implementation. And now you can charge the, the cases with your MagSafe watch charger, which is smart. So that it magnetizes as well. So little upgrades here and there. There's there's so much to unpack about the Apple event too. But like like we said, I think we talked about the most important things: the iPhone and and the, and the software with with iOS 16. And let's pivot to something closer I to home. To, I wanted to mention that uh, they killed the, the mini. I, yeah. I always wanted Apple like the one who stuck who stuck with you know creating or at least keeping a smaller form factor around. But mm -hmm. the, I guess it just went with the market trends and. When I now look at the two things that they announced, the things I'm comparing are the 14, or let me say the 14 plus, and the them killing the killing the mini and the watch ultra. And I would, and this is just an assumption, but I would assume that the market size for people who want a handable, pocketable iPhone, like 5.4 inches. Yeah. would be much larger than the people who want this like ultra high tech, you know, outdoorsy gear of a smartwatch. So, I mean, them creating, you know, a smartwatch for this like very niche crowd and then killing the mini iPhone is just puts into question like what, what they are seeing on their own end, you know, numbers wise, sales wise. Yeah. And you said something about the watch, the ultra, you know, not being able to do something for divers. And I was wondering whether that's something that is a hardware limitation or a software limitation. But I guess we'll see in coming weeks or months what, what they do with that. It might be both. Because if you think about yeah, the other manufacturers, yeah. their devices are more rugged. They don't have the fancy, bright, you know, sexy screens that Apple put in these devices. And the more you put all this, all this smart tech into these Apple devices, the more prone they are to damage at some C levels, at some C depth, I should say, right? 
if Garmin were to slap on a watch right now, it'll probably go twice or thrice the depth that Apple Watch can go because it's designed to be like very basic, rudimentary, just like, you know, show real time data, nothing fancy like watch OS. And so that could be the, the limitation on the hardware side. And on the software, it wouldn't necessarily be called a limitation, but because the software is so modern and so advanced on this hardware device, it might not be a wise idea to put this this fancy hardware through all this stress, if you may. I mean, it's, it's called ultra for a reason. So you see people running along a desert, running, you know, mountain climbing or whatever. That's a whole different ball game when you go on, under the sea. And so... It's like I said, yeah, I mean, that's that's one other thing I think that caught my attention was you know, those videos, the promo videos they made, like some of those things were movie quality. It's like, well, I guess they, they, they are basically an entertainment studio at this point with Apple TV and whatnot. Sure. Speaking of, they had the cameos from Severance, yeah, that was, that was uh, bad somewhere bad. in the middle at the end, yeah, that was that was pretty nicely done. But man, those videos, those the quality of those videos, and you know, like. Camera angles, you know, yep. filming the whole atmosphere of everything. It was very theatrical. Yes, that was really well done. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I guess it's now time to pivot to something closer to home. So I saw this news out of Reuters. It came out like two days ago about Nigeria having its lowest oil output in 32 years. And it made me think, like, with all this oil, with all this opportunity right now, with how well the crude brand crude is doing in the market compared to COVID times long taking advantage of this opportunity staring us in the face and why do we have so many issues plaguing the oil sector which is supposed to be our major money maker and i'm i'm tempted to say some very unsavory things about and towards those those in charge because a lot of these people are you know malicious characters and just been struggling with oil theft for a long time and i think it has reached like probably the highest levels we've had in a long time and that's a large chunk of what affected our output and we're one of the weaker parties at the opec so even when we go to opec when opec says oh this is what we want to do like we don't have mouth we just we just go along with anything and that's what happens when you know, you don't put yourself in a position of strength. You have no leverage. So you can't even control the oil in, within your borders. You can't refine your own oil. And then you are experiencing these high levels of oil theft. Oil prices, when they are to your advantage, there's no improvement in your economy, no improvement in society. And it's all crazy. It's, it's a huge, and the people, the people at the helm of affairs should be to duck their head in shame, actually, because it's a, it's a huge shame. I remember some years ago, we were talking about, you know, some issues with oil, and I was saying that we never see oil at, I was saying that the oil part is winding down with all the advancement towards, you know, EVs, sustainable energy, and getting off carbon and all that. And, you know, you and I were having that tussle about, and I was saying oil prices never get to $100 again, and here we are at those prices again and we're seeing no difference in the quality of life of people we're seeing no difference in deployment of you know the nation's revenue into bettering people's lives into improving you know things around the same problem that people have been you know crying about for decades are still with us and it's like whether all is good or all is bad we're not seeing any difference it's it's just a very shameful situation i i don't know what else to add but 
So it's a combination of both like the oil theft thing and then even our internal capacity officially be able to even make best use of the reserves we have, the output we're making, and the prices we're able to sell them for. Yeah, it, it it's it according to Reuters, the the way Nigeria slid behind Angola as Africa's largest exporter this July is just really sad. And we have facilities that are being paid to run as refineries, but have zero output in the country. You can imagine keep throwing money into a pit consistently. And I don't know if Timmy has any comments on this. I know I shared this in a group text and I'm wondering if there's any way forward from here, because if you think about how Europe is struggling with gas right now and Nigeria's wealth of gas reserves, imagine if we were poised to sell gas to Europe at a point like this, you know, where do we go? Tim, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, the Nigerian question is always a difficult, complicated one to answer, right? Like, the the issues are so much more underlying. Like, there's the issue of security in Nigeria is really the issue of everything. Is it so whether, it be, whether it be energy security, yeah, right, social security, personal risk and safety security, like the issue is so much more underlying. There's there's that thing that needs to be fixed underneath. For everything else to then be able to thrive, to, to be able to you know breathe up, so it's not that we can we can't we can't really fix the theft. Our security forces are stretched thing. They're not paid enough. There's there's corruption in there as well. How can we fix that? Like the underlying issue is what needs to be fixed. And to be honest, even getting the the right leader in power, sometimes when I think about it, like it's not enough. Because that's one person up there. There's so many other sub-segments. How, how are you going to change all those people's minds at the bottom, right? So it's, 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 it's a tough one. I feel, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer the question. Um, there's the question of education, but that requires funding, requires the right mindset as well. We need to start developing more of our human. Our biggest resource is human capital. Our biggest resource is untapped human capital. Nigeria should be a manufacturing powerhouse with the population of the country, providing numerous jobs. But even that, right? Yeah. We don't have people don't have the right the, the right thinking. They don't think about Nigeria as such. They don't think about because obviously again security like these things are, are not there. So people don't think about Nigeria. Oh, let me take my manufacturing in there, which is a bunch of people that can do the job and create it, right? Even things like you know. The clothing industry, you know, a lot of clothing is done in Asia, for example. Nigeria could be a home for a lot of those things, right? But nobody thinks of the work ethic of Nigeria as such, for example, the, the infrastructure as well. So it's just a lot of underlying issues. Like, I feel like I don't think we can even tackle everything at once. I feel like, first of all, we need to tackle one by one. And, and the first thing is maybe working on the infrastructure, I think, because maybe that will help in terms of like, okay, security forces can get where they need to get to. Transportation of goods and services can become more easy, easily accessed, right? Things like that. I feel like that, that could probably be the first. The first and then a, a good fiscal policy as well. Look at, you know, look at Zambia, 
right? Look at uh, Rwanda. We should take examples. We shouldn't be taking examples from the West, right? We should take examples from countries that, that are similar. Well, Close to Z- home. Yeah, Zambia, Rwanda, those kind of countries. We should look at those countries and see how they sort of started to drive their own change, right? How they started to drive. Even countries that are even not there, like Kenya, right? Countries that are not there, how they drive in sort of like some of the movements that they have and, and you know, so pick up those things and, and work from there. I mean, what does Zambia have? What do they have? No, not nothing really. Right? But how are they transforming their economy so much? Right? Yeah. Same as Rwanda. How is Rwanda driving foreign investment? How are they driving development in the country? How are they changing the mind to the people to care about their communities? To the, okay, we're not going to litter. We're going to keep it clean. How are they changing those mindsets? Right? Because the leader is a, is a big thing, but obviously, like, how you push that down in the population also matters. So they should, you know, go talk to these people and see what they did. That's, that's my advice. Or I would say concerning that and start to implement some of those things. Yeah, it sucks that um, we found ourselves in this predicament, but I don't think it's surprising. It's, it's been a downward trend for a few years now. To say the least, I see actually for more than a few years, <laughs> and uh, I honestly thought we we're gonna have enough time to talk about Disney and Marvel's D twenty three. But I feel like we should do that on the next episode because more things keep coming up from the conference. Some more Black Panther news, you know, Avatar news, and all the all the Marvel you know stuff with Daredevil. So we're gonna hop back on the call soon and, and talk about that in the next episode. And uh, this has been fun. Backyard conversations. It sucks we're at the end of the note with yep. Nige, but big shout out Dakpo and Tammy for you know giving us pointers yeah. on 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 everything, sharing your thoughts and opinions, and and now we have to figure out we have to problem solve ourselves on how to fix some of these issues plaguing this beloved country. All right, so that is a backyard conversations. Cheers. <laughs>